Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan presents Football at Four. Here's The Drive. On the RobinsLaw.com text line, I'd say comparing Russ to Tebow in any way is ludicrous. Russ can still throw, can he not? Tebow could never throw. One famous pass to DT accepted. Well, that's actually not true. Tebow could throw a pass that a lot of guys can do in the NFL, Chad. And that's straight down the field. Tebow had no problems just, you know, pucking the ball, like a lot of guys, 50 yards down the field. What Tebow struggled in doing is he had very little touch. You know, he had very little finesse, and he needed to see it, Chad. And I got it, and throw throw a, you know. Side thrower, yes. Yeah. So, whereas Peyton Manning was, I mean, it was like magical. Like, Peyton would, was such a genius. He would put passes up in practice. It was so amazing to see him do this. And everybody saw him doing the games, but it was fun to see him work on his craft, where he would put it up, and you're like, where is that going? And then just, right as that ball arrived, that window would just open up right then and there. Tebow had to see it the whole time. Okay, you tell me. Who's Russ more like in that respect, Tebow or Manning? Tebow. I'd agree. To your point. I'd agree. He's... I'd say he's definitely in the middle. He's not closer to Tebow. Um, he does not have to see every receiver. He can anticipate better. All right. Let me back off Tebow for a second. There we everybody, go. Because that's that's really uh, framing this conversation. I'm not changing my mind. In an ugly I, way. I want to soften the souls of others who are around me, and especially smart the um, easily triggered Michael Evans, my orange brethren. It's like, hey man, I'll calm you down at the Shine Student Center. I'll buy you, I'll buy you a waffle cake, or whatever we say, chicken wing in Syracuse. I don't know. Syracuse is really not known for anything. Um, broadcasters, yeah, broadcasters. What about Drew Brees? Is how comparable is Russell? Drew Brees was out of practice today. Yeah. And I did see Drew Brees is slightly taller than Russell Wilson. I yes. could actually like eyeball that today. I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. He's still a little bit taller than Russ. Mm-hmm. Not giant, but a little bit taller. A little bit. Okay, what about comparisons to Drew Brees? That's not fair. What? Why? Because they're two different style quarterbacks. You're kidding me. Why are they different styles? Because the while the height is the obvious easy comparison, mm-hmm. um, Drew Brees operated from the pocket. Drew Brees was a uh, he, he was a, an anticipatory thrower of the football. So Drew's more like Peyton Manning? Yes. Well, then who the heck is Russ? Tebow? He's Yes, but no more one likes the, that. More in that direction. Yes. I got to see it. Mm-hmm. Make it relatively simple. It's easier if it's not in the middle. It's just one, two, two choices. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But last year was a one, two, five, nine, sack, whatever. Who right. knows? Too much time in the pocket, and not I'm, getting rid of the I'm, football. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on that freshman 15. So this is where... I'm not moving around that great. This is where... The Russ we saw in the last preseason game, taking off four times in one drive, that's not sustainable. So you've got to find a way to be a little bit more comfortable delivering the football and anticipating the receiver getting open. Um, that's how you mm. do that. So instead of, you know, you drop back and you don't think somebody's open or you're not prepared for them to be open, uh, you anticipate them getting open. There's, a, there's an unspoken trust. When Michael Thomas had, what, 144 catches in one year, whatever the ungodly number that was, mm-hmm. I would say uh, at least half of those were 
anticipatory throws where he was not open when the ball ceased contact with Drew Brees' fingers. You think uh, Russ is going to play on uh, Saturday? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think tomorrow specifically mm-hmm. is going to be the most intense, uh, productive, let's see where everything is at, measurable um, moment more so than any preseason game. I think tomorrow, tomorrow specifically, because I don't even know if we'll get to Thursday. These teams are cutting their joint practices short. They're cutting them off. Uh, Josie Jewell wouldn't say he wouldn't fight, <laughs> which is fine. No you promises. Know, there were no promises made today because you want that intensity level. It's going to be another hot day. Sean Payne and I totally agree with him. It's like getting getting a fighter ready, you know. Had him practice inside today. Chad, it was cool as the other side of the pillow. All props to Stuart Scott because it was cold. It was chilly in there. I loved it. Fantastic. They got that thing to a sizzling like 58 degrees in that uh, in that field house. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine what the electricity bill is. But why were they doing that? Sean Payne told us. We're getting ready for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Getting your team prepared to go. We'll get ready to go. We're going to have a up and at him practice tomorrow. Man. Yeah, to have a install review walkthrough mm-hmm. the day before the joint practice. Yeah, Sean yeah. Payton is clearly putting eggs into the basket here. I've seen other coaches who were the joint practice follows a padded practice that you had on your own the day before. Nope. And that is not the way to maximize your team's experience. Tomorrow, it's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah. and It's it, going to be physical. It's it, going to be raw. It is going to be a day. And we're going to have a, uh, an, and a long look at Russell Wilson going against another defense. Now, we're not talking about, like, four reps and there's Danucci and there's uh Uh-uh-uh. That's not the way that goes. You're going to get a much longer look, I think, at Russ. I don't know if Danucci touches a ball tomorrow. Who knows? He will. Maybe he brings the balls out to practice. No, he will. He will. Well, it's not much of a point to it, but but whatever. We'll see how it goes. But it's it's bound to be the most physical, uh, demanding, measurable moment of the entire preseason tomorrow. Not Saturday. Tomorrow. Let's see how things go. Let's see if having a better version of Tebow means something or not. Or you can laugh at it, but fine. So who is he then, Mike? Or whoever else doesn't want to use the Tebow comparison. Their personalities are the same, and the style of winning will be the same with both of them, but he's a better version. Will you be disappointed if tomorrow's practice is not as you think it will be, is not the most physical of training camp. I don't know. If, I don't know how Sean's, it, yeah. McVay and Peyton. They wave the white flag on it. They do a couple of team periods. They just thud up. There's no nine on yeah, seven. There's dis- no nitty gritty. I'll be very disappointed because I think Russ needs that test. And I think the Broncos offensive line needs to feel it. And I love that they can get that test without fear of Russ getting hit. So I would be disappointed, very disappointed if that's the case. So I don't want Russ to get hurt. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But I need. I've him. never heard of a quarterback getting hurt in a joint practice. Mm-hmm. That, that would be oh. that would be brawl worthy. If yeah. a Rams defender yeah. hit Russell Wilson, then yes, you have my permission to brawl all Broncos. Well, Aaron Donald's not even going to be there because his wife is about to have a baby, so he's just been. You know that is funny. Uh, that's a convenient excuse, isn't it? Right after the joint practice from last year, mm-hmm. like hey, Aaron, uh, hey, 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 Ron, <laughs> just uh, hang here, hey, hang here, hang back. That wife. What is she? Well, she's only three months pregnant. You never know. (laughs) Got to be better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry. This is the drive on the fan.
It's The Drive on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Passion killer. Not too much. You're the only one. On the uh, Ramaslaw.com text line, can we just agree Mike wins 80% of the arguments for CMAT? Uh, you want to talk about some phony analytics there? I can't think of one that he's won. They claim they've won all the battles with you. <laughs> that was not even possible. I'm just telling you what the claim is. I mean, I guess if you lose them all, you know, you, you look up at the clock and uh, you're looking in a mirror and staring at you backwards. Uh, the back arguing is Russ Tebow or two of the greatest Cubers fans, and he thinks because very close to Tebow wins the argument. Um, Russ's personality, I've, I've only, I've, I've covered the NFL since, I don't know. I've covered Syracuse football, so I've been covering football in the NFL since the uh, 90s, early 90s. I've never met two other people that have the same personality similar to Russell Wilson and Tim Tebow. They are unicorns. Yep, they're it. They're it. I mean, they are it. They're the only two guys I've ever met that that, have had that kind of personality. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, what's wrong with that? Very positive. Oh my God, Swamp Kings on Netflix? Are you kidding me? That's out today. I'm all that, in. We were just. This is just a coincidence. I didn't realize that was dropping today. Today. How long are those episodes? Can't be more than an hour. So well, well, an hour is fine, but I got to carve out four hours of my life tonight to make sure I watch them all back to back to back to back. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to stop watching that. What? You're not watching the Rockies? I'll have that on. Okay. That's like. Well, they'll, they'll basically be done by the time you get home. The Rockies? Yeah. Oh, where do they play? They're in Tampa. So, oh, early right. start. No, I'll get it all done, Drew. Thank you, though, but it'll, it'll, it'll all get done. What about Hard Knocks? I'll get that in, even though that sucks, but it's <laughs> it's like Game of Thrones. I'm too, I'm too deep. I can't stop it. I'm too deep. I know it stinks. I knew the last season of Game of Thrones stinks. Stunk. It did. All of a sudden, the dragon's not going to kill, you know, John. Like you just, you just like you just stab Khaleesi. The dragon's gonna be like, "Oh, that's cool. I know you just killed my mom. I guess I'm not gonna eat you though, because uh, I don't know. You're the king of the north. Stupid. Whole thing was dumb. She wants the whole kingdom. She finally can get it. And she just decides to like genocide over an entire city, huh? It's like an umpire that's, you know, calling a strike with a ball that's three three balls outside the zone. You got somewhere to go here? Game of Thrones? We, we're in a rush for some reason? Been watching this stupid thing for a decade. You're going to ruin it now? By the way, Jack could have fit on the door with Rose. <laughs> I'm getting it all in. I see. Here's uh, Colin Cowherd on Russ. Russell Wilson's not washed. After Michael Vick and Cam, he's the third leading rushing quarterback ever. He's lost weight. He's moving. He's elusive. He had a couple scripted plays. He had an ad lib. He was running around the field, and it looks pretty good, right? So in life, lean into your strength. His strength is moving. Okay. Number three rushing quarterback ever. All right. He looked fast. 
and Sean wow. Payton's teams generally wait, get wait, better. Wait, as wait, 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 wait. I don't know. Look, Colin, come on now. Hey, Val. I know you got the happy pills going on there. <laughs> I got it. I know you're, you're your buddies. I know you share a, a glass of milk with Sean Payton at happy hour, but fast, Chad? Do you look fast? Fast and elusive. Come on. He threw out elusive before he went to fast. Pills. Yeah. No. Fast? He looks, his movement has improved over last yeah, year. Yeah, it's but good. It he was, has not it, reclaimed his for, former glory. Fast? No. No, he does not look fast. I didn't see Michael Vick bursting through the line down there, did you? Because it didn't happen. Okay, right. But it was better. Wow, talk about just a low bar of expectations there, Colin. The season progresses. His November-December record's better than his September, so we don't want to, we don't know yeah. what it's going to look like right out of the gate. But did you notice, I was watching the game, and the announcer, uh, Greg Papa, said, hey, they're going to play Russell for a majority of the game, and by the second series, he was gone. Why? Because Sean Payton has seen enough. I love the national guys. Uh, I love them. They, they, they're it. That's why I love going to Colin Cowherd. He, he, he watched six <laughs> minutes of highlights, and he's got it all figured out. Like Colin Cowherd watched that game. So he Just spent a segment stop. on Trey Lance, and he was like, I, I must admit, I didn't watch the second half, but... Did he really say that? He said that. I was like, come on. Do oh, I would you just God. launch your credibility? Uh, let's see if there's some more. Humor. I don't spend a lot of time breaking down preseason games, so this may be a first. But they lost last night, and I was watching that. And you know what I honestly believed? That NFL players care more about the preseason than NBA players care about the regular season. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this guy gets paid, right? A ton of money. Uh-huh. A ton of money. Wow, that is so crazily wrong. Which, all parts? I was going to say, yeah, all parts of that are not wrong. All parts of that are wrong. No. All parts of that are wrong. NBA players do not care about the regular season. <laughs> that is at all. So wild. They do not care untrue. at all. It's crazy. If they did, they wouldn't be taking all the nights off they did. No, the coaches have to balance things because of ridiculous scheduling because it's more important to play in the playoffs. But to think that the players, to to... to insult NBA players who are some of the greatest athletes on earth, that they don't care about regular season games. That or not it's not just that, that the NFL players care more about the preseason games. I mean that is preposterous. It's ridiculous on its face. First yeah. of all, the, the guys that really care about those preseason games are guys that most likely aren't going to make the team. Right. Or they're just scraping by to, to make the practice squad, which there's nothing wrong. And I get it, those guys care. Those guys really care. But you're talking about the bench warmers. So, hey, why don't you put Peyton Watson in a regular season game and see how much he cares? I bet he's going to care a lot. I bet Vlako Konchar really cared when he was, because, I mean, we're going apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. Right? We're going to talk about people that care about the preseason, which are the guys that barely play. We get Thomas Bryant in a game. He's going to be given his all. What the hell are you talking about, Colin? He's making it up, man. He's totally making it up. You think Patrick Mahomes cares more about the preseason game than Nikola Jokic about a game against the Clippers? You sure about that? Okay. I, I, I just hate when, like, guys try to insult NBA guys for, like, not, you know, like, they don't recognize how incredible athletically they are and what it takes to actually win. It's hard to win, Chad, period. In every sport, absolutely. Now, if you're already an established playoff team and you're cruising, and you're in first place, and you've got 12 games to go in the season, well, all right, we could talk about if you care or not care about games that actually don't matter, the equivalent of preseason games. 
Or if you're out of the playoffs already, Chad, maybe you don't care as much because these are meaningless games as well. So if we want to compare meaningless games to meaningless games, if you want to tell me the third stringers that might not make the team care about their meaningless game as much as the backbenchers and NBA teams that are eliminated from the playoffs care about their meaningless games, I guess. But who gives a crap about any of that? Right. They seemed to care last night. It was like the Super Bowl of preseason games out there for the third stringers. But Lamar Jackson didn't play in the game. Nope, didn't dress. So, I'm sorry. What? He was dancing and bucket hat on the sideline. All right. Thank you for the get me upset. You got me Colin, Colin and Evans. God, both terrible. Take a breath. I, I will. James Merrill. I will, oh, my God. James Merrill is going to be here? I came into today with such a positive attitude. I'll give you good news from practice. Really good news from practice. Coming up next. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my penis. What's up with the fear? Making the teeth rain down like a monsoon. Listen to the bass go boom. Explosions. Overpowering. Over the competition. Oh. Ramaswad.com text line. DMAC, have you watched the Depp vs. Bird on Netflix? I have watched it. Johnny Depp vs. Amber Heard. I know all about it now, Chad. What'd you think? I, 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 I think love is complicated. And uh, that case was kind of pathetic. I started watching the Kanye Kim Kardashian divorce thing, which is also, I think, on Netflix or something. I got about halfway through that first episode. I was like, you know, not even me, DMAC, is this pathetic to watch this thing. So I stopped watching that. Okay. I guess they weren't getting along. I'm going to start watching uh, Painkillers. That seems really good. Dude, I got two for you. You can watch that, which is really good. And if you want to supplement it, go back, back and watch Dope Sick on Hulu. Okay. It's crazy. It's one about it's about one of the worst families in the history of America. They That's are the they are yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's their name? The um oh gosh darn it. I'm forgetting their name. The, the P, Sackler, right? Sackler family. Okay. Sackler family. Um yeah, a horrible family. Horrible, greedy. Uh got America hooked on um opioids. I mean, it's really sick what really happened in this country with them. So that, yeah, that's a fun one to watch. Make sure you lighten the load a little bit. It's lots of laughs. <laughs> but we have um, a Hot Take Tuesday brought to you by Papa Murphy's. Order your pizza for pickup today. Give me a hot take about Russell Wilson. Give me something fun about Russell Wilson. I'll give you something good from practice today. Uh, something fun. Yeah, man. I mean, we don't have to be negative. We got the uh, Rammies coming in. We got that joint practice tomorrow. Give me something that you really liked about Russell Wilson. I like his charity. I like his, his dedication to his charity endeavors. Um, I think that's awesome. I think that's you know he has some problems with that though in the off season. You realize that, right? I do remember that there was some financial issues with the charity, not necessarily directed at him, but the no. charity itself. Okay, if you're a player of Russell Wilson's stature, he is not going home and you know reviewing the charity's books. So I got a little bit of grace with that. Somewhere Dan Jacobs is rolling his eyes like you can't believe at this moment right now hearing what you just said. <laughs> yeah, Dan Dan thinks it's the worst thing about Russ. Mm. 
But go ahead. Well, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, of course. His visits to the children's hospitals was what I was specifically thinking of. Well, those are wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. And there's no financial impropriety happening there whatsoever. Does it all the time. Did it in Seattle? Does it here? Uh, okay. There's a lot to be said for that. Well, I thought you were going to go somewhere with football. <sighs> Man. Really? Russell has a incredibly deep-seated belief that they will find a way to win amongst all the odds in the world stacked against them. I saw it when I was, you know, in Seattle um, as an interim coach. Uh, I've seen it in games that I've called with the Seahawks in it. There's a an incredible belief that he has that is infectious to his teammates. What's the term using your son's class? Uh, emotional contagion. There we go. So it was I, an article in five thirty eight about fans. It wasn't, but but what doesn't matter. But, but whether it's fans or whether it's your teammates, yes, there is something to be said for emotional contagion. Yes, also could be called momentum. Yes, uh, and when you start to believe, and you've done this enough, last minute comes back. Yes, fourth minute, fourth quarter comebacks. Yes, those kind of things. Yes, Russell Wilson yes, has yes. pulled throughout his career. There's a lot to be said for that belief. So when he and you know that can work both ways. That emotional contagion can go with you, can go against you. Right. So when you got a guy like Jay Cutler mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, give me another sort of dude like that. Who's, I'm, not, I'm not sure what point you're trying to make, so I'm not sure what dude you're looking for. Well, there's positive and negatives. Mm-hmm. There's Russell guys, Wilson. Guys you believe in and guys you don't. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Kirk Cousins. Pretty positive guy. Yeah. There's a there's a deep seated belief that he can't get it done in big time moments, and that is contagious oh, okay. to his football teams. Okay, okay, okay. You think that's the belief in Kirk? He can't get it done in big games with his with his teammates. Statistically, it's true. It is, but he won a couple big ones last year. They they were a much better Vikings team. Interesting. You think that's the vibe on Cousins with his teammates? All right. What do you think the true vibe is with Russell Wilson with his teammates? The true vibe, not what they're saying to the muggles. It's the true vibe. I think they believe in his work ethic. They believe in his football character. They want to like him. Yes. They do like him. They do like him. But all the quirky parts of the personality make a true relationship probably impossible. And they recognize that. But they appreciate his dedication to the craft. And even last year when things were off the rails, the dude was still, you know, going for his five a.m. swim every day and doing all that stuff. So it was all—it may have been misplaced work mm. with the, you know, State of the Union meetings, but the willingness to work has never been a question. I was coaching this kid one time. This is baseball a few years ago, and um, such a good kid, but he didn't connect with his teammates for whatever reason. I couldn't even really figure it out, and I thought it was a, almost a little bit mean. Mm-hmm. On, I don't think he did anything wrong. It's just personality-wise, it just, you know, it didn't click. And it was crazy. Every time I would put him out on the mound, something would go sideways. And again, I'm like, it's not it's not even your fault. Like, what the hell's going on? And I talked to my son about it. I'm like, yeah, we just, we don't believe in him. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is, this is crazy stuff. We're talking like 11, 12-year-old kids, you know? It's like, well, what, what is that? I go, why? Why not? And he goes, and, and he couldn't explain it. Like, it didn't even make sense to, to, to my son, but there was uh, just a belief. I remember years and years ago, Seth Smith, this goes way back with the Rockies. There was a famous quote where he said, I'd be in the outfield, and I was just waiting for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it'd be a four to three game, and I was like, well, how is this one, how are we losing this one? That's a negative emotional contagion. Mm-hmm. 
But you could still like somebody and still say, well, but do you think that's what it was with Russ last year? Like, they did like him. Like, everybody liked him. They knew what he was trying to do. They recognized he worked hard. No, no one whispered to their locker mate when Russ walked by, I hate that guy. No way. No way. No way. No. But, you know, the quirky parts of the personality, the coach, you know, his own coach in the building, all those things certainly didn't help him with his teammates. But despite all that, they didn't hate the guy. No way. I don't think he's intensely dislikable. Um, But the production on the field didn't happen. And then all the other things get magnified when you're not winning football games. Can belief be built in such a short turnaround in an offseason? Yes, because, well, in Russ's case, because there was a previously established belief out there that he was the guy. Yeah. He could take it to the promised land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something to believe in. You do have an enemy, too, Hackett. That makes it simple. You do, right? Right. But I think the guys who were in that building would know that Russ had a major hand in what went down last year. So you just get rid of a lot of those guys. Yeah. Which which Sean Payton did on day one. That dude's not coming back in the building. (laughs) Right. Right. Brandon McManus. Ooh. See, now that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Because he was the one reminder. He's the one guy who would go around and say, I don't think it was all Hackett's fault. He would say that. He was the type of guy that would say that. Who's that? uh, The Billy Turner. Billy Turner would say that. Yeah. See, Billy. Yeah. Garrett Bowles, man, he is a foxhole dude. He ain't ain't saying that. He's going to have your back. Ain't no doubt about it. How much money does Billy Turner owe Nathaniel Hackett? Oh, my God. $30 million? I mean, Billy Turner was just a guy with the Broncos, and he gets paid to be a starter with Green Bay. He got paid to be here. He's getting paid with the Jets. Jets. Yeah. Dude, we'd have to look up. I don't know if Billy's made $30 million bucks, But, I mean, what was he here with the Broncos, man? He was just a first time around, Billy Turner? I couldn't believe he was on the team. Oh, he's, he owes, not, he doesn't, I mean, he's earned it to whatever degree, but he has made at least $20 million just being associated with Nathaniel Hackett. At least. 29.5. That's his career earnings? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, if his career earnings are 29.5, you can slot uh, uh, 27.5 simply to Nathaniel Hackett. Because where? how did he even come into the NFL? How long was he with the Broncos? His three Two seasons years? with Green Bay. One? He made $22 million in three seasons with Green Bay. So most of the money was made in Green Bay. Yeah, no kidding. Because it was nothing here. How long was he here with the Broncos the first time? Uh, his first stint was one year. Then he went to Miami. So in 16, he was started here. Then he went to finished in Miami in 16. Then 17 and 18, he was here. Oh, I didn't know that. I forgot about the uh, the stint in Miami. Right. Came back here, huh? Mm-hmm. As a free agent? Um, Doesn't matter. So. Doesn't, yeah. matter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Minimum salary guy uh, for a fifth-year guy in 17. Uh, 2-1 in 18. And then goes to Green Bay, $11 million, $6 million in 20. Five million in twenty one, and then last year two point three here in Denver. Well, listen, you asked a question. I asked you a question rather. I said, "What's uh, you know a, a, the most positive thing you can say about Russ?" And then you pointed at his charity, mm-hmm. which made Dan uh, Jacobs roll over in his future grave. But we'll ask that same question to our guy James Marilad, who is Captain Sunshine, when it comes to Russell Wilson coming up next. The Drive on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. 
Our guy Jimmy Marillat from DenverSports.com joining us. Matt, Chad Brown. My man, KJ. Hey, James, how are you, pal? What's up, fellas? You got a good game plan for um, your your, uh, 12-year-old football practice today? <laughs> uh, yep, it's uh, eleven and twelve year olds. We were uh, a little scrimmage last night. We we were defense tonight. We're offense. I think we got a good plan. I got the script. Yeah, I think we're raring to go. All right, I got two words for you. Okay, Oklahoma drill. <laughs> we uh, we don't do the Oklahoma drill anymore. What? It's, uh, it's pretty frowned upon. Um, you know, we you still got to block and tackle, so we do a little. We do more nine on seven. Chad and all the guys who hated Nathaniel Hackett's training camp would uh, would love our practice plan. We we go out there and do nine on seven and one on ones and all those kind of fun things. We were talking about just off the air about how psycho it is to be an inside linebacker and uh, the the willing to take what were we saying somebody's soul and make their mom come out of the stands. Chad, what to was rob it? you of your will to play football. I want to hit you so hard your mom comes out the stands to get you off the field and protect you from me. That is exactly the mindset, and I may have to have Chad pop on to one of our Monday Zoom calls for film and instill that in these eleven year olds. <laughs> How do you teach violence? <laughs> well, I don't think you do. I think there's you've got to find the most aggressive kids and put them in the right right position. I don't think it's I don't think you teach it. I think it's a I think it's a mindset, and you know it's it's part of why I think kids should actually play tackle football starting in sixth grade because you got to find out if you like to get hit or not. And if you start trying to find that out as a freshman and when there's, you know, seniors coming up against you, mm-hmm. that's the wrong time to do it. So you either you either like it and you, you know, you just kind of embrace it or you don't. I'm not saying either either way is wrong, but you got to find that out sooner rather than later. Wow. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers certainly have a culture of physical football and violence, particularly defensively. So I think when you walked in the door, the expectation level was so high, either you conformed or you were gone. Mm. So uh, sure. if it was not who you were, you had to pull it out of yourself. Uh, you know, while this is a fun topic, the Denver Broncos, James. Um, well, it all goes to culture, though, doesn't it? Does this all circle the culture and, and who you are? It does. What your identity is, yes. what matters, what doesn't matter. It, absolutely, it does. Go ahead. Yeah, when they drafted when they drafted Chad Brown out of the University of Colorado, they knew they were getting somebody who had that mentality, right? It wasn't it wasn't that they had to try to instill that in you. They'd seen on film and in person, and you know, scouting you that hey, you could you, that's how you played. So they have a culture and a a style of play that they you know when you have three head coaches in what fifty years, right? It's right. it's Chuck Knoll. It's uh, Bill Cowher and it's Mike Tomlin. Yep. You have a way that you want to play, and it, it, if you're a scout, not that it's easy, but it's easier to know. Hey, this these are the kind of guys that succeed here, and that's that's one of the reasons the changeover every year, seemingly here with the Broncos, has been so problematic. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The scouts in Pittsburgh absolutely know what they're looking for when they're looking for an outside linebacker. Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green, uh, Clark Hagens, Joey Porter, Chad Brown, T.J. Watts. Not they're not trying to reinvent the wheel aggressive right. athletic dudes who play with a violent mindset and for whatever reason really enjoy hitting quarterbacks. Um, is there a guy on the Broncos who brings that kind of mm. mindset to the field? That's a really good question. Now, I, I do think, and look, I'm not as high on their inside linebackers as some people, but I do think from a mindset standpoint, Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton bring that. Totally agree. I'm not totally agree. I'm not sure they're as talented as you want with that mindset, right? Like the ultimate in talent and mindset is, you know, it's Mike Singletary, it's Ray Lewis, it's you know, those kind of guys at that spot. 
but I think they their mindset helps make up for whatever they may be lacking talent wise. From the edge, who is somebody on that roster that just you know will kind of have those plays where it's like, hey, it's mono a mono, and I'm going to refuse to be blocked. Um, Frank Clark, maybe. I mean, we've seen it over the course of his career. At times, he's that guy. We just have seen not a ton of him. <laughs> the last game, notwithstanding, playing in the second half. I don't know. Randy Gregory's the, the the best talent. He's the guy who can come around the edge and get his body to lean and in a way that you know a, the human being is not supposed to be able to do and still be moving forward. And yeah, but he's not. Of, he's not stout against the run. So you, you, right, you roll, exactly. roll the he's, dice on him. He's, and he just, does he have that mentality that, that Chad's talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Does Jonathan Cooper? Does Baron Browning? Does Nick Benito? I, I think we got to see it. If you made me pick one of those edge rushers, and I like their rotation. I think they've all looked good in camp. I think when they've played in, in preseason, um, they, they've shined. If you made me pick one of, hey, who's that guy who kind of has that dog mentality, so to speak, that everybody talks about to spout the cliché? I would go Frank Clark. I think he would be the the number one guy in that group. I don't know, man. I'm kind of leaning towards Jonathan Cooper. Hmm. Maybe. I'm kind of I'll tell you what, guys. And you guys, D-Mac, you were there every day. Chad, I saw you down there a bunch. You probably saw more practices than I did. Uh, Number zero jumped out all the time. Like, every time I was there, he was the guy that was in the backfield against the run. Mm -hmm. He was constantly pressuring Russ or whoever uh, he was going up against in terms of the quarterback, like, he, it was impossible not to notice him, and you always talk about how, you know, hey, if you were an alien and you were dropped at practice and you didn't know anything about the sport, who would who would jump out at you? You wouldn't have to have been to many football practices to be able to say, hey, number zero seems to be everywhere. So I, I'm, I don't think that's a crazy thought, D-Mac, if you had to go with somebody. I went chalk with Frank Clark. If you had to go with somebody who's, you know, maybe a little bit more off the board on, on that bet, a little bit more value, I think Jonathan Cooper's a really good. Yeah, option. I think they've got a. Uh, I'd, I'd be very curious, James and, and Chad, uh, maybe more Chad on this one to get a breakdown of Drew Sanders. So I think there's a Romanowski, Bill Romanowski, screw loose with this kid that could become very valuable because of his. I think he's a he's a bit of a nut, but like a well wired nut. Like he looks normal <laughs> as a human being, but something happens to him. But his freaky athletic nature at six five. 250 whatever running like a 45. I mean it's it's wild his athleticism Drew Sanders. Well, I feel like and you, you guys can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I feel like they're being a little bit coy with him and how they're going to use him and sort of what his role is going to be because I don't think he's going to be a guy that's just going to line up at one spot. No. And I'm not comparing him to Micah Parsons at all. But if you just want to look at how someone is used and what they do with Micah Parsons, particularly his, his first year and his second year down at Dallas, where they're moving him around, they're bringing him from the edge, he's lined up in the middle. You know, sometimes his hand is in the dirt, sometimes he's standing up, just kind of all over the place. I think you're going to get kind of Micah Parsons light in terms of how they use him and, and you know, kind of have some special packages where he's in there doing doing certain things. And that makes him a dangerous player when, hey, when 41 is out there, here's where he's going to be, here's how we're going to account for him. If he's lining up in four or five different spots, if you want to go back in the day in, in, in Broncos country, it's a little bit how they made Carl Mecklenburg such an effective mm. player. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he played seven positions, all, all, all of the uh, front seven spots, and you never quite knew where he was going to come from. I think that's kind of the type of this, uh, approach you're going to see from him, especially as a rookie. Move him around, put him in some spots where he's got a good matchup, and see if he can, uh, see if he can wreak some havoc. 
typically the coaching mindset with those kind of things is let's get this guy comfortable in one spot before we start adding on to the learning here. Mm. Even though your physical skill set says you can do all these multiple things, you're a rookie. Last thing you want you to do is get out there and be confused, line up in the wrong spot, blow a coverage, whatever the case may be. So for Drew Sanders, it's really going to be up to the, not his physical skill set, which seems to be off the charts, but his ability to understand and separate the roles and be able to execute them, you know, game in and game out. Uh, It was week six, my rookie year, where I became a starter at inside linebacker, but I started my rookie year as an edge guy and as a blitz guy. Mm. So they got me on the field early, got me comfortable with that, Mm -hmm. and then I slid into the starting role and then became that guy who could be your inside linebacker on first and second downs Mm -hmm. and then slide outside on third down. Well, I think he's, I think that's what's going on right now. I think he's swimming a little bit. Yep. I think he's just having a hard time just trying to figure out where are my hands, what do I do with my hands, that sort of thing. But I think when it comes together for for this young man, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, James, are you insulted when I say that I think Russell Wilson this year will be a good Tim Tebow? <laughs> Am I insulted? No, I think Russell Wilson should be insulted. Why? Um, I mean, come on. Who thinks – look, and I'm a Tim Tebow guy. I put him in my top 60 Broncos of all time uh, a few years ago when we did that list. So uh, I think he's a you know a, a good football player. I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think Russell Wilson has the potential to be a great quarterback. So that's like not a good Tim Tebow. That's a, you know, great Tim Tebow. And, you know, maybe we're quibbling over semantics here, but I think Russell Wilson – is going to have a big-time year. I think his, his ability, what we've seen in the first two games, to escape pressure, buy time, extend plays, move the chains with his legs if he needs to. Like Tebow. I think, I think should have everybody encouraged. He can throw the ball a heck of a lot better than Tim Tebow. Go to the Arizona game and find – you look at the throws in the middle of the defense. I said – I said 19 yards to Cortland Sutton. Like, I, Tim Tebow can't make those throws. I gotcha. I said good Tim Tebow. But a, a quarterback that is going to scramble around, the offensive line is better at run blocking than pass blocking. The targets are going to be relatively simple, like see him, hit him sort of deal, rather than crazy, like fit it into a window timing pattern like Peyton Manning. A good Tebow, a guy who can still throw the ball deep, but Tebow could throw the ball deep. All these quarterbacks can throw the ball deep, but can you just sort of, you know, diagnose things relatively simply, make things happen with your legs, and win games, a lot of close games. That, I, I mean, that is what Tebow did. Compliment. It's a backhanded compliment, D-Mac. And, and I just think he's a much better quarterback than, than Tim Tebow was. And I think, you know, I think he overextended himself, got over his skis, whatever you want to say about last year, of trying to be a quintessential pocket passer. That's not what makes him great. That's not what makes him special. His ability to move around and make throws is what makes him uh, dynamic and makes him a guy that Gosh, the last, uh, last won time, so many games. Last time I checked, the last year Tim Tebow started for the Broncos. He won the AFC West in a playoff game. So uh, they went eight and eight, nine and nine, if you count the playoffs. I mean, how many games? Also, how many games did Russell Wilson win, win last year? They also had a chance to win the AFC West outright in the final game of the year and lost seven to three at home to Kyle Orton. They also so they also faced they the Pittsburgh Steelers the next week and won in overtime, where Tebow threw for three hundred and sixteen yards. They lost the week before in Buffalo, got routed on Christmas Eve, and Tim Tebow's post game presser was, "Ah, tomorrow's still Christmas." Well, they also they also beat the Dolphins down fifteen with three minutes to go on the road. I mean, yeah, you want to well, play? You want to play this it's game? A magic show. That that was the, and look, it was awesome. It was a fun year, but that magic show was second only to the start of Hard Knocks last week. 
All right, James. Um, give me something good about. Uh, I said, ask Chad. Give me something good about uh, Russ, and he said his charity involvement, which that was the best. I Chad. think Russ. Uh, the, you know, Russ's times where you see him and he's at Children's Hospital and he's doing all these things. Like Russell Wilson is, for the most part, what everybody claims they want out of professional athletes. Right? Find me the last time Russell Wilson was in the headlines for a DUI or the off-field stuff or the, the nonsense that we see a lot of times from athletes and you, you kind of bang your head against the wall. Can't do it. You know, I heard John it, last week, D-Mac, and trying to talk about how, you know, hey, is it Father Russ? Is it, you know, Husband Russ? Is all these things. Like, I think in most roles in his life, he seems like a really good role model. Agreed. And I think this year he's going to be a great role model on the field and he's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 30-some touchdowns and you guys are going to be on the bandwagon with me and I'm going to let you on board. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. Thanks for the permission slip. I'll have my I'll have my mom sign it.